welcome to the British Continental Podcast. The show shining a light on stories about British bike racing teams and riders at the domestic level. Hello and welcome to episode three of the second series of the podcast. I'm Denny Gray, the founder of the British Continental, and in today's show I'm excited to bring you an interview with Rory Townsend. The Irishman races for Tim Elverson's Canyon DHB powered by Soarine team. In fact, he's ridden under Tim Elverson since 2013. Rory was arguably the best rider in the domestic peloton in 2019. His feats last season included two UCI road race wins, a further four UCI road race podiums, three National Road Series race wins, winning the Tour of Britain Sprints jersey, a Tour Series win, fourth in the Irish National Road Race, and selection for the World Road Race Championships. Not bad considering he'd come close to quitting at the beginning of the year after a crash at the Challenge Mallorca. And yet, whilst many of his domestic peers earned contracts with World Tour and Pro Continental teams, they included Matt Holmes, John Dibbon, Gab's colleague, Alex Richardson, Scott Thwaites, James Shaw, Mark Donovan, Ethan Hayter, Charlie Quarterman and Fred Wright. Rory narrowly, painfully missed out. As he explains in the interview, he was very, very close to stepping up himself, only to be flicked because of his nationality. He's 25 now, an age at which some riders might be having second thoughts about their future. But Rory seems more determined and more self-confident than ever. In the interview, he recalls a number of setbacks which have posed existential threats to his racing career and explains how each time he has come back stronger than ever. It would be no surprise to me if we see him making a step up in the next year or two. I'm really pleased to say that Verge Sport are once again sponsoring this episode. Now, by happy coincidence, I discovered during my interview with Rory that the man who runs Verge Sport, John Dempsey, is actually Rory's cousin. John was a handy racer himself in his time and played a key role in encouraging Rory to take up his Irish racing licence. Verge supply an extensive line of quality custom cycle clothing. There are no minimums on orders and they offer on-time delivery and crash replacement. Getting started on ordering is as simple as completing their getting started form or giving them a call. They can send you free samples and prices include in-house design support. Their interactive 3D proof system makes reviewing and approving your custom design both easy and fun. You can zoom, spin, flip and examine every detail of your design viewable in your browser, smartphone or tablet. For more details, go to vergesport.com forward slash IR dash EN forward slash. That's vergesport.com forward slash IR dash EN forward slash. Okay, so before we dive into the interview, a couple of points of order. First off, this interview was recorded way back in March, not long before the UK went into national lockdown. So you might notice a few anachronisms, not least when Rory talks about the Olympics, which of course are no longer happening this year. It is, of course, all very relevant and interesting stuff, so we've kept it all in, but just bear that in mind as you listen. And second, if you're confused about any of the terms mentioned in the interview, Nat B's, National Road Series, etc., we've added a short glossary in the show notes to help those less familiar with the quirks of the British racing scene. That's it. Over to the interview. 
I am here today with Rory Townsend of Canyon DHP powered by Soaring. That's right, yeah. I always get that wrong. Welcome yeah. to the British Continental. Yeah. We are literally powered by Soaring. So. <laughs> and you were just telling me off tape that you, you have many a Soaring in a race. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much one, one. We'll have one bar an hour. So it's nice when you're getting all the energy products and the gels and things in to have something which is a little bit more um, palatable. So, yeah. Great. And we're here in Kingston. Uh, in my office, but this is where you were. My birthplace. This is where you were born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not in fact. I'm, I wasn't actually um, born in Ireland. So um, this is, yeah, this is where I was born and sort of grew up. So, yeah. How did the Irish uh, kind of license come about then? If you were born in Kingston, um, it's always kind of, it's always been there. I've always had like a affinity with with things over there. I've done a bit of racing um, over in Ireland as well. Um, so yeah and then it was it was my cousin actually my cousin uh, John Dempsey who, who races in Ireland um, or has raced there and it was him that sort of put it put it in my head he was like um, saying there would you know that there would be opportunities available with the guys over in Ireland and that I should consider it and um, yeah it just seemed like a natural thing to do really um, having so much family there and, and things like that it was like it was so nice for them as well um, and it's brought us sort of like a lot closer with with everyone over there as well so it's been, it's been really nice and I've been able to do some like some great things with the Irish team as well which has been um, which has been great so mm. yeah and including the world championships last year which must have been yeah that was phenomenal um, I mean yeah what an experience when when I first started riding, um, the only thing there's two things I ever wanted to do. Um, I was I was never interested in, in like the tour, if I'm honest, because I've I've always just loved sport, um, not not necessarily just cycling, and I've I've always wanted to do the Olympic Games and the World Champs, um, just ride them. So I feel like I've um, yeah tick tick something off my list there. Um, so that was great, yeah. Yeah, when you say the tour, you mean the Tour de France, not the Tour Series, obviously. <laughs> no, no, as great as the Tour Series is, yeah, it's, um, yeah, uh, there's car parks everywhere. <laughs> um, so, going back to the beginning, also you're born in Kingston. How did you get into cycling? When did you start racing? Um, so, I did a bit of everything when I was younger, as like any sort of sport, sport sort of kid is. Um, and then my dad was actually in. Uh, the triathlon industry so I kind of naturally sort of went into that and I mean we're talking like 12 years old I was you know just like a little kid um, and I did a bit of that and then cycling was sort of my strongest part of that so again it was kind of like a natural progression into that um, and I started racing properly at like 13 down at um, down at Hillingdon um, which was great and there was like a really good like group of young riders coming through at that point um so I actually rode with like Lawrence Carpenter like he was on my first friend in cycling um and yeah still you know still just as close with him so that's that's really nice and even like um young uh Louis Rose Davis and Charles Page they were there as well obviously like a bit younger than me but it's crazy that yeah we all ended up on the same team together (laughs) 
like years down the line so yeah and you, I mean just looking at your Strava you seem to, there's still that's still a group you hang out with and, and train with or do yeah yeah, yeah. we have we have a really good like core group of riders that sort of um we all live and train around here together um so you got like Callum McLeod as well uh, who's not far and his little brother Yui um Alex Alex Rich is, is in Kingston as well so we got a nice group um Louis moved off to uh, he's he's away in Italy now with the Zappies team, um, which is is great for him. It's just a shame for me. So, <laughs> um, so you were race you started racing in twenty thirteen and and you joined Pedal Heaven not long after. Is that is that right? Or when did well, how did yeah, that? Um, <clears throat> when I mean at that point I was uh, I was I always hated training. I, I, I kind of still do. Um, <laughs> I just loved I just loved racing and I was just mad for it and there was I mean I have no idea how my parents managed it but at one time I would, I would be doing Palmer Park on a Monday Hillingdon racing Tuesday Wednesday I'd race at Ilmore in Aldershot Thursday I'd do the local time trial Friday I could do Welling and then obviously there's any race that you could find on a Saturday Sunday um but it was racing over at Aldershot that I first met uh, Craig and Tim. Um, and yeah, like Max, um, Max Stebbin, my teammate now, and I would just be like smashing it around the more. And then when we were actually under 14, <laughs> Craig, Craig would let us race up with the men. And, uh, you know, we were just getting stuck into like the, the, the third and fourth cat races. And like, I, I was winning a couple of those. And it was from that that, Craig, yeah, basically that he, he, we kind of caught his eye then because he just loved he loved he liked our attitude to racing, how aggressive we were, and and we didn't we definitely didn't have the legs to back it up, but um, I think he just liked our style. So um, and yeah, from from then on, um, when we went into juniors, he started supporting us. So and for those people who don't know, who is Craig? So Craig, yeah, Craig Peters. Uh, he's yeah, he's literally the guy that. I, I, I have to thank so much of the reason I'm still here riding. So he owns uh, Pedal Heaven, the shop, and um, he was the one organising the racing uh, at Ilmore back then. And um, yeah, he was he was there for the team and everything. Um, and he's yeah, he's, so he's still got the shop over in uh, in Fleet. Um, and yeah, he's just a, just a top bloke, really. And he still runs a team, is that right? Well, he's, he I think he supports a team. Right. Um, uh, and he's yeah his main his main focus is, is obviously the shop um, in uh, yeah in Fleet so yeah so you I mean you admitted I think um, before we started the recording that you weren't perhaps the most uh, obviously talented cyclist when you first began no I don't think I don't think so so uh, this is that's as well I think I can't believe my parents did it for so long because I don't think I was showing much um, uh, massive sort of promise um and like, i came through like a year of of kids when we were youth there were so many good riders like uh chris lawless uh you know john dibbon um and uh teo gagenhart hugh carthy like a lot of guys who are at world tour now all in amongst that age group and i was, I was just getting a kick in every week I, I really looking back to it now i think oh what was i doing um but i guess i just felt like i had something a little bit I, ha I had something there which was you know that I was waiting to like come out and I just it hadn't clicked in racing and then it's hard to it's hard to say when it really did come together but um well I, I suppose it was when I went to uni 
So I, I went I went to uni, and at that point, it was like me deciding that I wasn't that I didn't want to be like a pro, or I wasn't that wasn't going to be my like life. And I think when I went there, I was riding my bike because I wanted to, instead of feeling like I had to. And I think that's where everything kind of changed a little bit, and the pressure came off, and things just started to work. So, so so even though you were riding loads when you before you went to uni, you weren't. I mean, what I guess you if you weren't getting the results, what kept you going? Um, I I don't know really. I think it was like the idea of what I wanted to be, mm. rather than knowing what it was. I I know what I thought I wanted to be. And, but, um, and that's what I was always going for, even though I wasn't, I wasn't there. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think as well, like I felt like my parents had like invested a lot in doing it. And so I felt some sort of like, like I sort of owed it to them to some extent, um, which I didn't, um, and they never made it out as if I did, but that's just how I felt at the time. Um, so yeah, I just sort of just kept plucking away. Um, yeah. And you said you had glandular fever when you were quite young and that nearly led you to giving up cycling. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was nearly sort of like nailing the coffin. Um, I, that was, that was my second year junior. My, actually my first year with officially with, um, pedal heaven. Um, um, so yeah, joining that team was like was was great. It was like I was like the Max and I were like the youngest there, and it was like oh, it was amazing. I remember thinking like I was saying to my dad, I was like, "Well, I'm dad, like you've done <laughs> you've done your job now. Like these guys, they take over." Um, but uh, yeah, I, ch- I trained really hard in the winter, and then I got I got into racing. I just I just had nothing. I couldn't work out what was wrong with me, um, and. I'd, ha- I ha- I'd had tonsillitis and I just thought I'd never really recovered but yeah it turned out to be something a little bit more something a little bit more there and so that season really didn't I mean I barely raced for them at all um, and then wasn't really sure how it was going to go um, and um, yeah but Craig Craig said like you know we've made we're going to invest in you like there is, we, we still believe there's something there so um, he sort of stuck stuck by me and yeah like I said I think if he'd if he kind of let me let me go at that point which he would have been totally entitled to do then I think I could have just plummeted but um yeah no he kept faith in me which is which is all I really needed so and then you said when you went to university you the pressure was off you kind of yeah that kind of re <clears throat> rediscovered cycling in a way or yeah um yeah pretty much like I was yeah, I just I remember just really sort of really enjoying it again. Um, and as well, I was doing I was I was riding like a lot of nat bees. I wasn't riding races where I was getting an absolute kick in every week, um, which I do. I think it's so important for some guys. Like it's great. Like now it's it's great. That I got to do the world championships and things like that. But I didn't go in there expecting to win or anything, you know. And I, so I was racing like just sort of national bees. And I was doing well, and I was sort of comfortable with the level that I was at, rather than reaching for something that I wasn't that where I wasn't capable and a little bit out of my depth and um yeah like I won the university champs and um I did really well in like tour series that year and that kind of that was sort of like it felt like a breakthrough for me um 
doing well at like a national level against actually we get against like Chris uh, Lawless who I mentioned earlier who like he'd always been like the best the best of it of the guys at, at a young level so to be sort of like a little bit more competitive with him was like a sort of like a bit of a mental barrier that I'd, I'd gone through um, and yeah we had a great battle and yeah he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic rider and yeah so that was what year was that? 16 that was 16 that was, yeah so 2016 so you, you won that was the year you won Perth's pedal you won the Bristol Bristol Grand Prix mm-hmm. Uh, and the Victor Berlamont. So that was you, you racked up a few, yeah, good few results. Nice yeah, I remember Perth. So I was absolutely buzzing about Perth. So um, the guys had all been away on training camp and uh, um, from Petal Heaven, and I can go because I had uni stuff to be doing. And I remember seeing their rides, and I was like, right, I'm just going to do. I'm going to do what they, whatever they're doing. I'm going to do more type thing. I was getting like, I was in my own sort of competitive bubble. Um, so I was doing like, yeah, training really hard in horrific conditions. Um, and uh, that's when I first started working with um, Simon Holt as well, um, my coach. So um, yeah, we we were doing a lot that winter, and uh, it, it paid dividends. So mm. yeah, and we'll come on to obviously last year in a bit. But and everyone talks about the fact that given your results last season, it was maybe your breakthrough year. But you kind of think maybe your breakthrough happened a lot earlier than that. Yeah, I think 17 was like, rather 16 was was big for me personally. And then I think, yeah, 17 went to like um, a sort of a bigger level um, where I was doing it on on the road, like in, in, in proper races and yeah, getting my name out there in, in Europe and stuff. So yeah, that was, that was a really good year. Um, we had a great team. We'd sort of like moved from Pedal Heaven and we were into like, uh, bike channel and it was our first year with Canyon um, and the first year that Tim was probably uh, properly running it um, and yeah it just felt like a like a like a step up um, we were doing like European races that I'd never done before um, <clears throat> with a great like a great team as in like a great group of group of guys and um, yeah it was it was it was a good it was it was a really good year so, mm. for me yeah I mean you didn't quite get a big win but Looking at your results, you, you you did well in Europe. You you were second in the Midden Brabant Brabant in yeah. ne- the Netherlands. Got ninth in the Radam Ring, which is a one point one race. That was, that was cool. Yeah, racing around the Nurburgring in Germany. Right. Yeah, that was really cool. Actually, I remember. Yeah, I remember that, and um, that's definitely one of the cooler races that I've done. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So, what was so what was so good about it? I don't know. Just like being being there. I, everything about it we've been over to, we'd been over to visit Canyon and stuff at their their factory and things so we'd had like a really good weekend and and it was just like it was a great day like great weather um, but it was just cool racing on the Nürburgring um, yeah it's the it's, I remember we we um, we did this like descent on this descent on the circuit and it's the fastest I've ever been on my bike I went 122k an hour on this descent yeah it was great um so yeah, no, just, just enjoyed it. It was it was a really cool event, and you were also second in the Lincoln Grand Prix that year as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I won, I won the overall national series on that day. Like I managed to just take it. Um, yeah, thinking back, like I, I I probably gave up a chance of winning Lincoln to try and win the national series, which was probably a bit silly of me, but. Yeah, whatever. At least I got something out of the day. So, what what happened then? Well, I knew 
I think I had I had to beat um, Enrique Sanz by like four places. I think if I beat him on the day by four places, then I was fine. And I was in a group of there was two Madison, two One Pro, uh, myself and Ian Bibby. Um, so I knew I basically had to finish. If I finished third, that's all I had to do. Um, because and there was nothing that Enrique could do about it. So yeah, I was in, once I got in that move, I, I was just I absolutely like drove drove that break to 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 make sure it stuck. Even though like there was two teams with two riders there who would have done that, but yeah, I was you know a bit young, a bit gung ho. So did that. And um, when Bibi, Bibi attacked straight from the bottom, I didn't even try and follow him because I knew all I needed to do was just come third. I didn't even think about the win. So which is a bit silly, but yeah, I mean I've got other opportunities hopefully. So yeah. Yeah, so um, so that was a kind of 2016, 2017 was a, a breakthrough year uh, or breakthrough years for you, and then 2018 was uh, was quite different. Um, talk, talk to me about that. I mean, you, you were injured, weren't you? And you you had a, a much more difficult year. Yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, 18. 18 was yeah. I mean, definitely like the hardest year. Lot of my life, which is which sounds a bit drastic. I've, you know, I've had a good life, so. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was really tough. Like, I I decided at that point I was I was fully like I was going for for this. Like, university had gone on hold, and I was doing everything I could to like be um, as good as I could at this. Um, I trained like I trained really well. Everything was going great. Um, um, I'd, I'd like lost I'd lost a bit of weight and was just trying to like do everything that I felt like I needed to do to be as good as I could be um and the first race was in France and it got it'd gone quite well it was a freezing cold day and it, that just got in the be- best of me and then the next race we did was in Holland um the Dorpen on loop uh Ruckfen, which was weekend just gone um and yeah, I was just going, we were going through a feed zone. It was, it was really quick. It was stupidly fast. And I hit a bottle um, and came off. And basically where I hit, hit the bottle, um, the impact went through my wrist and actually cracked a little bone in my wrist. Um, and I didn't know what I'd, what I'd done. Um, I tried to keep riding, but I just like I couldn't I couldn't hold the bars properly or, or grip the brakes and things, and so I knew I'd done something wrong. But there was no massive swelling. It it was months and months of like trying to figure out what happened. I had scans, and they thought it was cartilage damage, and so I was like then trying to get like an injection to like make it better and stuff like that. Until I eventually found out that I'd broken like a tiny little bone in my in my wrist. So I was sort of making do with the situation and I was riding and training and racing with, with a splint. On. Um, and then I was out training um, with Alex um, Richardson and, and um, I, <coughs> I wasn't wearing my splint because, you know, it's just a training ride. It was, it, I remember it was the same day as Rutland, um, which Tim, di- Tim didn't want me to ride because of the injury and he wanted me good for Yorkshire. Um, and yeah, I was coming down this descent and sorry, hit a bump and where my hand was bad. Um, yeah, I went down, um, I went down on my shoulder, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my collarbone popped out the front. So yeah, that was, that was a bad day. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I was, had it operated on, and yeah, even even that didn't go particularly well. So I had after after I came back from the operation, I had four, I think, different infections over that, the course of that year, like infections in 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 the metal in the, in the scar and things like that. So, and it was just yeah, it was just really sort of debilitating. Um, I'd sort of like get going well again and think like everything was coming back on track and then yeah he sort of like as the fitness improved then I'd just be hit with like another problem and it was just like yeah it, it was it was it was hard um and I feel like in myself I dealt with it quite well um I was always sort of thinking of the bigger picture and thinking like okay I've got this injury let's just like tackle that work on that and get you know, get fitness back. Um, but it was, um, yeah, looking back, it, it was it was quite a difficult time, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. So results were hard to come by? Yeah, it was sort of a season of sort of fits and starts, really. Um, tour Britain, I looked like I was getting back to going a little bit better and then I crashed on stage three and got another infection and so on and so forth. And... Yeah, I finally had an, I, I got another operation uh, to remove all the metal work and, and, and the scarring um, at, at the end of the year in November. Um, and yeah, it took a long time. I, I, I remember thinking, I was like, okay, I'll take four weeks off. But it actually took seven weeks before I was back and back on, on the bike again. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd had a big old break and then I was training again, ready for... Um, ready for the 2019 season. Um, yeah, came, started training quite relatively late. Um, went out to Calpe, didn't have too many sort of expectations of myself, but training was going really well. Um, training camp, yeah, I mean, I went in like so fresh and I was, I, honestly, I was just, I was giving the boys an absolute kick in. It was great. And I was thinking, it's like, there might still be something like to get out of this, you know, I could, could still have a good chance. Um, and I wasn't origin originally supposed to be doing um, the race, but the team put me in for Challenge Mallorca at the start of that year. Um, so just because everything had been going so well on training camp and I was super keen, like, I was never going to turn down a race. Um, and then, yeah, first first day in uh, Mallorca, um, came down a big crash um, and I thought I'd broken the same bone again. I thought I'd done my wrist again, which I, oh, I was just, my head was like in pieces at that point. Um, it turned out that I had, I'd actually just, I'd broken my arm um, and the recovery was, was a lot quicker than, than I thought. But I remember at the time, it all just, yeah, it all just got to me. Um, the way I dealt with things like the year before and I'd sort of just taken it like week by week and tried to like, get better and um, um, just sort of, yeah, I, I felt like I say, I felt like I tackled it really well in my head, just, um, and then, yeah, that happened and it was, it all just like felt like it was just all falling in pieces and it, the way, it, the way the expectations had slowly risen going into that season and then it just come like crashing down again. I was just like, my head was in bits and I was just, I think that's as low as I've ever been. Mm. And I thought at that point, I was like, okay, I'm, uh, 
I think, I think I'm done here. So. so you actually thought you might quit cycling at that stage? I thought at that point, I was like, I don't, I, if, I, if I'd had another year like the year before, there was literally not a chance. Um, but um, yeah, I, th- I think I'd, I'd, I'd just got myself up to such a, like a high level of, you know, expectation because the training had gone so well and then just to have it come like crashing back down so, so quickly and yeah, and I think, um, yeah, my, my, my girlfriend would tell you like, I was a nightmare to be around. I think I was, yeah, I just didn't know what I was doing myself. I'd sort of lost all, um, yeah, identity with what I was doing. I had no idea. So that was um, that was a big struggle at that time, um, which is crazy thinking about that. That was all before you know the start of the best the best season I've ever had like last year. So um, yeah, and very quickly after I broke my um, come back from breaking my arm and everything, um, I was back into racing and I. I Surely got like the best the best result I'd ever had. So mm. was that the classic Loire? Yeah, yeah, which really like really came as a surprise to me. I didn't I didn't see it coming. Um, didn't expect expect it. Tim didn't expect it. it. Was like it was great. It was like the best result that I think the team had ever had. And um, so this was uh, just for the benefit of the listeners. This was a race out in France. It's a one point yeah. one race at the end of March. Yeah, the classic Loire and at Lantique. And you yeah. were in. How does it? Because it, it played out quite an interesting. Yeah, interesting it was, race, re- it was really weird. I imagine it being like actually like a great race to watch. To be fair, um, it's the type of race that I used to love watching as a kid. Like, um, if anyone's ever seen that race, that stage where Elio Kaiser won in Turkey. Yeah, you know, like that for me is just the best. Like, I love that and that's the sort of thing that gets me out of my seat and like just makes me want to like you know just for burst out like <laughs> you know burst out into tears just with like just for the love of the sport you know I love I just love things like that and um, things like like when Sylvain Dillier was second at Paris Bay like he was my winner that day yeah. like stuff like that is just I love that so yeah I went into this race didn't have big expectations of myself um, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the road, early move. Um, I saw it as like, you know, trying to get some legs back, trying to do some training for, for races that were coming up. I thought, right, I've got a good good block here, two big races back to back. So yeah, went out the road, four-man break. Um, and yeah, we had a massive, we had a massive lead um, that Peloton sort of gave us. And I think by the time that they were catching us, I think that a lot of effort had gone in. Um, so we were only caught by a small group and, yeah, I played this sort of like oh, I've been up the road all day kind of card, like you know, um, but um, managed to stick with them. Um, it was good. It was it was three world tour riders that came across to us and just carried on riding with them and managed to lug myself over the last climbs just to stay in contact. And then more and more were joining us as like um, as we were heading towards the line, and I'm still playing this sort of like you know, I'm not riding like I've been here all day type thing. And then I actually attacked them with about 4K to go, which made me extremely unpopular. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they, yeah, they pulled me back and I thought, oh God, I'm in trouble now. Um, But it came down to like a reduced sprint, basically of like the chosen, the chosen guys of the day. Um, And yeah, I, I, I actually, I went really early with like 300 to go and I was, um, just chasing, you know, chasing through the, the little group that we were in, and yeah, I, I, I was third, and I was, I was so close to, 
to actually getting the win that day as well, which was which was mad when I think that the amount of energy I'd, I'd, I'd expended that day. Um, and yeah, after everything that had happened with like the injury in Mallorca and then getting back training again like that, it was like a massive, like huge outpouring of emotion. Like I was... I was in bits after the race. So it, was, it was pretty. It was almost like a bit embarrassing. I think if people didn't, if people had seen me and they didn't know like everything that had been going on, and um, yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't hold it in. So <laughs> um, yeah, and I think Tim. I think mean, uh, Tim was pretty. Was about as close. Yeah, it was about as close to tears as I've seen him as well. So which was which was so nice. Like it was great. Like able to share it with him, and um, you know, like I've had so many years with him like yeah arguments with him and then great days with him and stuff like that so it was great to share with him as well so and I mean obviously that was an incredibly uh, you know beautiful moment for you I mean given given everything that happened in the race and your attack 4k's out do you ever in, in, in moments like that do you ever have regrets I mean do you think do you ever think to yourself oh, what if I'd not attacked would that have you know, could, would you have had more energy for the sprint, or nah, can you can you look I, back happy? I don't think so. I think I was I was I was slight for a very brief moment. Yeah, I was I was a little bit in. I was a bit gutted that I hadn't. The only thing I was I was upset about was that I hadn't timed my sprint right because I came with so much speed that I didn't that I probably could have could have taken it. But um, and yeah, when you when you're that close, like it was literally a bike throw uh, in it. So. Um, there was a slight tinge of like disappointment, but I think the the situation that I was in going into that race and things like that, it just yeah, it was it was just great, and the way the whole race had gone and things like that, I'd never anticipated to be in that situation. So yeah, um, but yeah, I made sort of actually made a bit of a strange habit of doing that um, last year. So um, yeah, a strange habit of doing doing what being out the road all day and just yeah. like um and just holding on basically so i did this the same thing happened at high Pilge, um a race in belgium in uh april i think um where i was third again so and again that was a four-hour breakaway and then we just basically held on um held on out front got caught by a small group and um yeah got out sprinted by Alvaro uh, Hodge from Quick Step and Philipson from UAE, which is I can take because <laughs> um, yeah, I managed to roll with Harney, so that was yeah, I was, I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> satisfying, so. yeah, satisfying, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not the regular way of going about things. So yeah, this this year I think I'm going to try and um, wait until the last few. Um, kilometers to make those kind of efforts rather than doing them 200k previously <laughs> <laughs> and I mean I mean that was so the cl- classic Loire and Adelantique was your first major result last year mm. you went on to win three national road series so the Klondike Grand yeah. Prix was the first of those yeah yeah and that was again that was a was a breakaway move and you, yeah. you had a three up sprint against Scott Thwaites and Connor Swift yeah that's right yeah it went it came down to like the end part of the race and um yeah i i i, me- I remember i made a dig up um the climb i can't remember what the climb's called is it saltburn is that what yeah it? yeah I, I i had a crack up there just to sort of draw it all out but it was more of an attack just to see 
you know, what's what, like who's who's got what kind of thing. I, I I was I was really, really confident that day and I was see I was throwing a few punches in and seeing what the reaction was and yeah, in the end it was like when Connor made his move, I was like, Oh, okay, this <laughs> this is a move like because um, yeah, he doesn't hold back and yeah, you know, I was I was hanging I remember hanging on to him for for dear life and I, I I don't even know how Scott Thwaites made it across to us. So that was that's mightily impressive. Um and then for me in that situation it was just about hanging on. I I think they knew they were gonna need to drop me. I just knew I needed to hold on. So and once we made it over those climbs I was yeah, more than happy just to work with them to get to the finish and I, I was I was confident in myself um going into that finish. Um and yeah, they, they sort of lent I, I, I led into it, which you'd say wasn't ideal, but I knew against those two, like they have got good finishes, but they're different finishes to me. So um, I knew that against them, in terms of like an explosive kick, that that's was my best way of winning it. So went into the final corner like at like a snail's pace. I think I think I kicked from like about twenty kilometers an hour. So we weren't we weren't moving that quickly, and then <clears throat> just and then finished the sprint at like. 58 okay so it was like it was a really like sort of explosive effort which suited me uh, a lot better so yeah and that I guess maybe that was your biggest result at that stage is that fair to say uh did that come off biggest win at least anyway yeah a biggest yeah. win I suppose yeah um and I think it was yeah I think so yeah that was the first time as well for Tim that we did we'd actually won a, a, a an elite road series in terms of like an individual race mm. we'd had Joe Fry at Pedal Heaven who won um, the tour uh, tour of the res overall but that was the first actual time that one of us got hands in the air so yeah he was buzzing <laughs> yeah and that happened plenty of times after afterwards yeah I think I think the style of those races like they just suit me quite well I'm I'm typically like not really going to the, cl- the climbs in the UK anyway are short enough that for me that I'm going to get over them and ordinarily when I do I tend to be one of the quicker guys at the finish so like um, what was it the tour of um, the Mendips race mm, Circuit of the Mendips Circuit of the Mendips yeah but that that is on sort of on the periphery of like a race that is like almost perfect for me potentially like a little bit too much climbing like I, I was lucky to make it into the to the final group because I chased on off, off, um, on the descent to, to stay with them. And then, yeah, once I was there, thankfully I had Max and Dan for company um, to set me up for that one. So, and uh, that that just tends to be how it goes. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there were so many highlights last year. I don't know if we'll be able to go through them all, but you uh, you, you came third in Rutland, second in the Memorial Van Conningsloo. Yeah. Uh, you won the Beaumont Trophy. You got the Sprints jersey in the Tour of Britain. You rode the World Road Race, and you, and then you finished the year with those two stage wins at the Tour of uh, Fuzhou. Fuzhou, yeah. Fuzhou. Uh, I mean, if you had to pick a highlight, what would it be? Um, I think um, the first two that you mentioned, just because, so um, the Cholet, and then. Um, the uh, Klondike race just because of where where I was at that time um, 
so they 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 felt like the biggest races to me um and then in terms of like just pure enjoyment yeah fujiao was like just great fun i just really enjoyed it we went there there was no pressure um i'd sort of done everything you know the season was like had been done um and yeah so tour britain was was sort of a strange one um for me like to get the sprints jersey that was my aim going into it Mm. um and i think actually when you look at it i i I don't think there's many people that go into a race like that with that as their aim it becomes people's aim they don't actually target it whereas that's what i did so i had belief that that's what i was capable of doing um and i made it hard for myself as well um i had I, my my other I, I had two I had two goals going into the race. I wanted to podium on a stage, and I wanted to take the, the red jersey, um, take the red jersey home. Um, and on the fourth stage, which finished in I think it was the fourth stage, finished in Birkenhead, and that was the stage that I thought, okay, I want to have a crack at the finish here. Um, my sister lives up in Liverpool. She was out watching. It. I thought there was a few little things that went into it that I thought, yeah, I'm gonna have a crack at this one. Um, so Bostock went up the road and sweeped up the points so I didn't have to worry about it on that day um, and in reality I should have probably gone up the road it wasn't a hard day I could have locked the jersey down and then just turned my attention on to the stage finishes um, so I think I sort of tripped over myself a little bit there because um, I ended up crashing on that on that stage it's like a stupid incident um, on a roundabout and I cracked, uh, I cracked a rib as well. So I had gone from, I could have on one hand, like comfortably taken home the jersey and been fine. But instead I still had to fight for the jersey with a broken rib for like the last, uh, the last few stages. So yeah, it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't great looking back at it. So um, yeah. But you, but you won it. Um, yeah. And how was the experience? I mean, doing the, doing the media, the podium ceremonies every day, you know, I guess that there was a lot more, a lot more that you had to do after the race than perhaps you were used to doing. Yeah, uh, and also the the British Continental were asking you to <laughs> do a race diary as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not so bad. Like the way the team the way the team is there and stuff, it just means that you know, Jody or one of the Swanews stays back with me, and I just travel back a little bit later. So. Um, just get your massage at a different time and things like that. So it's it, it's never too bad. Um, it's all obviously it's a bit newer to me than some of the guys who might appear a little bit bored in <laughs> in press interviews or whatever else. But for me, like it's still like a nice a nice thing, especially at your home tour where you know you see people you know at every stage and, and things like that. You kind of you almost want to hang around. So mm. um, so yeah, no, it wasn't bad and. The final stage was was good. Um, I think though, that was the one into Manchester. Yeah, I mean, by the time I got to the finish there, it was it was more relief than elation. I was just glad it was over. Like that that stage was so stress was so stressful, and I was just happy that it was done and I won it, and I could just yeah go home. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was nice. I saw some friends at, at the finish, and my girlfriend was there as well. So 
um, yeah, it was it was it was nice. So, um, but the lads, God, the boys were all absolutely on their knees. So we, there wasn't much of a party to be had. So, um, yeah, Tom Tom was in a really bad way, and and so was Andy. So like they, yeah, I think um, everyone was in the same boat. <laughs> um, so that was the tour, of Britain. And I mean, as well as the, the the results, there were some some other kind of big moments for you. You mentioned the World Championships earlier. And you also went to Tokyo to do the kind of the Olympic preview yeah. race. Where yeah, you raced against Max Stedman for the first time. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a strange one. So, as I said earlier, like Max and I joined Pedal Heaven um, at the same time. So, yeah, we've been teammates now for eight years almost, um, which is mad. And I've been racing with him for longer than that as well. Um, and that was the first time in all of that time that we'd raced against each, each other. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he was, he was telling me about this conversation they had about like, oh, what do you think like the Irish guys are going to do? And he said, well, one thing's for certain, Rory's going up the road. <laughs> so he just knows, he knows how I operate. So, um, but yeah, it was funny. And then my race was pretty much over. Like I was, I was, yeah, I was in bits going up this final climb. So, and then Max, Max come flying past me. So, I was just ending up just unloading every bit of energy product to just give him or help him whatever way I could because yeah he's he's just like he's just a great mate for so yeah great um, but yeah Tokyo is just amazing I mean yeah. what an experience um, did you get to see much of the country as well then? We, we yeah we were there we were there for a week and we stayed uh, we actually stayed down near um, Hiroshima uh, with the Irish team in this like really small city called uh, Masuda and it was great, like they looked after us so well. Um, people were just lovely, food's great. Um, and yeah, I just, just really enjoyed it, so. And is the Olympics on the, I mean, we don't know what's gonna happen because of coronavirus, but is if, if, if it goes ahead, is the Olympics on the cards for you? I, I don't know. Um, it, would be, it would be a dream for me if, if, it, if it were to happen. Um, but the Olympics is, um, there's so so many nations and things like that involved that it, it doesn't quite work in the same way as like the world champs does where you get a big squad and things like that like um for Ireland like we only get three riders um and for a race like that it, i mean <laughs> i can't sit here and say it suits me in any way um and there's guys like like eddie dan martin nico roach like you know they'll be looking at that licking their lips so mm. um and at the end of the day, you know, I want I want to be I want to sit there and, and see, you know, one of those guys do well. So, but um, if you know if it was to happen and you know one of those guys was unable to ride and things like that, then yeah, I'd I'd, I'd like to be there and yeah, I think I, I would I'd be absolutely turning myself inside out for one of those guys. So yeah, and you you ended the year with two stage wins in, in China as we mentioned they were your first UCI wins I mean how, how do you view them I mean was that was that a big moment for you or given the race um, I, I don't think it was a I think it was a big moment as, as such I, what was what was interesting for me was the, so the first day sorry the second stage um, I actually won from, from a bunch sprint um, and I'd done well in bunch kicks before. I came second at uh, Conningsloo, as, as we said. Um, 
but that was the first time I'd, I'd won from like a proper bunch sprint and it was a, it was a proper bunch sprint as well like I opened up my sprint at like 58k an hour it was fast into the finish there um, I got like a perfect lead out from Ryan um, Christensen and um, yeah it had gone really well and I sort of like learned a little bit about myself that day I was like okay like that's an area worth pursuing um, so Dan always has this thing with me Dan Pearson he says like you know just why don't you just drop like five kilos become you know Grand Tour rider type thing and it's like it's a bit of a joke but because I, I, I do tend to climb quite well for someone of my size but so it, it is like something I, I consider and think about but I just um, at the end of the day I just love being in those like bunch finishes mm. um, it's like just adrenaline filled and you just have like no fear in those moments and it's like it's a roller coaster. it's great so and so yeah I, I really enjoyed that um, yeah that was a nice surprise that first one and then the second one was kind of less of a surprise in the way we'd set it up it was a few climbs on the day and we'd ridden them really hard and I went to the line with like in a 30 man group and saw an opportunity to um, attack like basically open I basically opened up my sprint with like 100 metres to go because I just saw there was like a gap and things were in the right place so I went for it with yeah from there and sprinted for 200 metres time trial for 200 metres and celebrated for about 400 metres that was great <laughs> yeah great and then I mean given the year you had um, there was lots of talk of you potentially moving up to the pro ranks and obviously a lot of your contemporaries did on the domestic scene uh, your teammate Alex Richardson James Shaw Scott Thwaites Matt Holmes etc how close were you to to moving up um yeah so for me like I I kind of I kind of felt like it was happening it was going to happen um like yeah I, I was I was pretty certain I had I had it sorted so um so it, there was an offer on the table yeah 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 um I'd had meetings and things like um conversations before Tour of Britain and I had sort of face-to-face meetings at Tour of Britain and yeah for me it was like it was good to go um and yeah um so it came pretty late it was actually uh towards the end of October that um I got a call to say that it was basically not going ahead and that they needed to sign um a different rider for us on behalf of a sponsor relating to like the nationality of the rider and things like that and um yeah that was um <clears throat> that was tough um so yeah um tim and tim had said to me like you know i'll i'll keep this place you know just in case like it, you know it doesn't happen and things like that so um yeah i'm obviously massively grateful for him that he was that i was able to pick up the phone and be like mate I'm in trouble like um, what can you do type of thing so um, yeah I think um, yeah just just thankful for him to, again to sort of like be there and you know look after me so um, it says you know it says a lot about like our relationship and things like that that he was willing to do that so but he is he is of of everything that Tim is like he is loyal like through and through like he looks after his own so yeah 
Um, so I'm still, you know, I'm still focused. I'm still ho hopeful that I can find something and maybe it'd be better than, you know, what I had. And, it, you know, this could always be like, you know, a blessing in disguise in, in some sense. So, um, and I'm certainly, you know, not in a bad situation. I mean, I think after it happened, like that's what I kept reminding myself of. Like, okay, this sucks, but there are guys here in, a, in far worse, you know, situations that are having to go out and, you know, look for jobs. You look at the, all the lads at Madison and things like that. And I think, okay, I've, I've got a team, I've got a good calendar. The opportunity remains that, you know, it's within my hands, so, yeah. So tough to take, but you, you, you're kind of looking at it philosophically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, the same way I sort of try to deal with um, deal with injuries and stuff like that, you just look, you know, just take a really like logical approach to it. You don't think like, oh, why have they done that to me type of thing. I just look at it like, um, okay, you know, that's, that's the situation. What am I going to do about it? Mm. Um, and yeah, like I say, it's, it's still in in my hands with which to do something. Right? Mm. And you're you're 24 now, 25 in June this year. Yeah, getting on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're not obviously you're not old, um, but in cycling terms, the you know people riders as they get older start to wonder whether they'll get taken on by teams. Does that does that kind of worry you? Does it add pressure to you for this season? Um, I I think for me like I haven't had the typical running to to this kind of thing. I've done it I haven't done it like the uh the traditional way of like you know going through BC and being part of all of that. Um things have taken me a little bit longer. I've done it my own way but the th the thing that I have is that I've always improved year on year I've gotten better and even the year that I had injuries I know myself like when I look at back at the data and things like that I'm a better I was a better rider then than I was in 17 and sure enough in the year just gone I was you know twice the rider I was in 17 so the progression I have always sort of I've always had so I will you know hope to you know carry on improving um working on on things and changing things that that I think will make me a better rider until you know until I'm at a point where they can't say no anymore um and that's that is that's my approach you know? yeah yeah and you've you've started this year pretty well um tour of Antalya you were kind of close to getting a stage yeah that was that was a shame that I sh I, I should have nailed that I think um that was again a stage that sort of yeah suited me like came into it was a re reduced bunch finish and I really fancied it I remember all the climbing came in like the first 100k and it was like a flat running after that apart from like a short cobbled climb of like 3k to go and again I was it was just me Max and Dan at the finish the dream team and uh, I was thinking like yeah that's like I've got this today and um, I I got taken off with 5k to go I had a mad chase to get back on, got there and was like so pumped up for the sprint. And I think I just made a bit of a yeah, rash, rash decision. I tried to like sprint up on, on the inside and just got pinned against the barrier and had to hit the brakes. So yeah, was, that was, yeah, that was a bit um, raw to be honest. Um, and then obviously 
that my attentions turned from like trying to get myself a result to making sure that Max Max kept the overall. So that as as a team, like that was a brilliant race for us. So, but um, yeah, I just I, you know I look back at it a little bit of bitterness. So. Um, yeah, and then after a bit of illness, we've raced um, yeah, um, on Sunday in uh, in Belgium at the uh, GP Monster. So, um, I sort of went into it like you know, not not expecting too much, not not putting too much pressure on myself, and I actually quite enjoyed the race. It was it was it was on all day, um, and came down to like a really really messy bunch finish. And um, to be to be honest, I. With the with the form I was in and things like that, I wasn't willing to take the risks that I necessarily would if I really thought I was going to win the race. But yeah, I I I didn't feel like that on that day I was I was up for sprinting, you know, man to man against Jakobsen. Like, um, he probably had a bit more in the in the it, probably had a bit more in his uh, in his tank than I did then. So, <laughs> and are you are you the kind of rider that will try and peak for a particular? Particular event. I mean, you said you said earlier in the interview you don't actually like training, but um, I mean, how how do you approach things like that? Um, I yeah, I I think for the level that we're at, um, the races that we do, it's difficult really to like pick out one individual thing, right, and be like, right, that's why that's when I'm going to hit. Um, I just tend to be someone that when I find a good for a good sort of level I'll just try and maintain and hold it for as long as possible because I want as many results you know I want to be just up there week in week out showing what I'm about and doing things like that um yeah a guy like Max for example is different to me like he doesn't he doesn't like racing as much and he likes um he likes the process of working towards like a, a single event and things like that which is which works for him um but um yeah I like I like I like getting the race in and having them in and the more I race like I I don't yeah I don't, I don't get too like worked up about like the pressure of an individual race when I do that so um, I'm really not great at like riding under like a lot of pressure I, you know something that you might say that I should work on and things like that but I can't help it that's just that's what I'm like I'm not great um, under pressure like that so um yeah, I like I like just having like a lot of opportunities, a lot of things to go for, and you know every race is different, and every race is a new opportunity. So, yeah. And and you're a coach yourself as well. Um, you, so you coach through uh, yeah. through Simon. Hull's yeah, company, so I've worked. Grinter, is that right? Yeah, Grinter coaching. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's Simon who's our DS, um, and he's a former pro as well. Um, so he, um, it's him and a guy called Jake Collins right. um, that. Uh, the work at Grinter and you know they they bought they sort of brought me on you know massively um they're the first guys that did like a real sort of tailored training plan for what for what I need to do um and it's like a real great like mixture because Jake's like very much sort of a scientific guy like he's 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 really switched on and 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 um his his uh, knowledge is so like up to date and things like that, and then Simon's really good at like applying that into you know a real world scenario. So he knows that a rider's not going to go out and ride FTP for you know hours at a time uh, or an hour at a time rather. Like that's not the way that like the human a human person can train. So um, he's very much the human aspect of it. So 
it, it's a really nice balance. And then, yeah, I've sort of taken on what I know from from my university studies and things like that. And then, what, what did you study? At so I, I did sports science as right. well. So. Um, which is lending itself nicely. And then I've taken that and sort of like training that I've done over the years and what's worked for me, what hasn't worked and um, been like my own case study. And then, yeah, so I've, I've sort of started doing a little bit of coaching from that because it just, yeah, it interests me. So yeah, Damien's been like... A, yeah. yeah, so Damien Clayton, who of course rides a Wibble Weld, Ribble Weld tight yeah. now. Um, won his first UCI race last year and you, I guess you were up against him regularly last season weren't you in, in national um, races in particular yeah I think this year it would be a lot it would be a, f- a little bit more regular which would be an interesting dynamic so mm. <laughs> um, yeah he um, Damien's been like yeah pretty much my project and I've you know I've absolutely loved it like it's been so great working with him he's ferocious in his um approach to like training and the way he does things it's 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 actually crazy so yeah um ferocious in what way he just um he would do he was just stop at nothing um he's so motivated and so driven um it's it's really impressive yeah um when i first started working with him i didn't I didn't fully know him um, and it was sort of learning for both of us um, and I gave him like a I gave him like a three hour ride to do one day and he didn't he didn't say like oh I've got, you know I've got work to do or anything like that he just went out at like 5am and just did like three hours in Regent Park <laughs> before work which oh, and I, I saw that and I thought oh my word what have I got this guy doing you know so I had to make a few adjustments from that point but the fact he just he just he just saw it and he was like okay that's what I'll do and there was no like there was no second guessing it that that's just that's just how he dealt with it and his um yeah he how he's like uh how he improved last year was just phenomenal so um yeah it was great and it was it was funny yeah racing with him at Beaumont and things like that and yeah, he was like in the in the move with us, and I was, yeah, giving him a bit of coaching mid race, so. <laughs> um, which is yeah, which is a yeah funny scenario. So yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you? I mean, I I can imagine many scenarios this year where you could potentially be in the same moves as Damien, given that you know he's come on so much this year. Yeah, will that be? I mean, it was a novelty at Beaumont, but I mean, is that something you? You've kind of thought about. Do you think that would be difficult to manage if you're kind of um, up against him, but also you're you're his coach no I don't think so like um, I wouldn't do anything to uh, anyone really in a race that I wouldn't be able to like back up afterwards you know I'm, I'm not I, I don't think I'm that kind of character I, I say I'm, I'm, I'm ruthless but I'm not about to like you know I'm not about to like knock someone off their bike to, to, get, <laughs> to get somewhere you know what I mean so yeah. it's like any any situation that he and I would end up in would be would be a professional scenario and yeah, unfortunately for him, I know exactly what he can do. So, <laughs> so I've just got to counter that. Um, uh, but yeah, no, Beaumont was funny though because yeah, he was in there. He, he at that at that time he wasn't a Conti rider, and so I just said to him, I was like, mate, don't feel you have to do anything here. So it wasn't for him to like to work to make that group. You know, go to the line. So, um, and yeah, he he sort of made the best of that situation. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Before we wrapped up the interview, I asked Rory how his training had changed over the winter and what that might mean for the way he races in 2020. I've worked 
in a different way this winter. So actually I've taken some of the intensity out of what I did. Um, and I think that'll help me maintain my level throughout the year. Um, and then I focused on, you know, improving my sprint and the finer things so that when I come to the line at the end of a hard race and things like that, I have no, I have no doubt about what I'm doing in that scenario. You know, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm sprinting for the win, no matter how big or small the group is. So that's, that's my sort of, um, you know, style of racing now. That's just how I do things. So, yeah. Great. Well, let's hope we do see you sprinting for the win a few, a few, few times more this season. Thanks very much for, for joining us, Rory. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a nice review. You can subscribe on all the usual channels and you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at British Conti and on Instagram, we are at the British Continental. And please do visit our website for more interviews, journals, previews and news at thebritishcontinental.co.uk.